Jurassic, not Aslick, you pervert. <laughs> so, wel- <laughs> welcome to Screen Fix, the show where we will fix a recent film. I am host JC. I worked in Hollywood in the early 2000s. I've decided to start dropping that. You should. That's something to be proud of. With me today, co-hosting, she has not been on in nigh on five years. Nigh on, does that make sense? It's like a lot of years. Uh, she <laughs> was on quite a bit in season one. She is our resident scientist, Doc Nay. Doc Nay, say hi to everybody. Hey, everybody. Thanks for having me. And, oh my goodness, I don't know why she comes on this show. She's better than this show, to be quite honest. <laughs> she is a step above the rest of us. Her opinions, oh. her film knowledge, and just her I have chills right now. He's giving me chills right now. (laughs) As you should be getting. Like, that's what I mean. Like, you can't explain it. I guess the certain sine se qua. Oh. I don't think I can live up to this hype, but I'm I'm here for it. I appreciate it. <laughs> it is Megan Kearns. She is from Spoiler Peace Theater, noted Boston film critic. Say hi to everybody. Hi, everybody. Yes. How about those beautiful pipes, too? <laughs> It's thank you, thank you. Also, the voice soothes me. I'm gonna listen to this before I go to bed. Fully clothed. <laughs> All right. So anyway, we are here. <laughs> we have gathered this team to talk about the sixth film in a series, the third film in the second trilogy. Dinosaurs. Chris Pratt after he got muscly. <laughs> Bryce Dallas Howard, daughter of Ron Howard. Oh, really? Yeah, you didn't know that? No. That's because you're too busy doing science. Yeah. This is Jurassic World Dominion. Blue, you had a baby. That's impossible. Hey, girl. You look just like your mother. not been unleashed we made a terrible mistake the doomsday clock might be about out of time if our world's gonna survive what matters is what we do now i can use your expertise you coming or what a baby raptor i made a promise we would bring her home you made a promise to a dinosaur yeah what Is carnivore the world has ever seen. Run! See? Not so bad. So Jurassic World Dominion, it is a story by Colin Trevorrow and Derek Connolly. Connolly, who was a friend and collaborator with Trevorrow since Trevorrow's breakthrough film, Safety Not Guaranteed. Did you like that one? I did. I I really did like that one. Yeah, it, had, it was Aubrey Plaza, right? Aubrey Plaza. And one of the Duplass, Mark? No, which yes. Duplass? Yeah, Mark mm-hmm. Duplass. I just know that there's a Duplass Brothers, and I always forget which one is in front of the camera and which one is ugly. 
I think they picked a good one I, because that's why I like the movie. Okay. All right. So <laughs> safety not guaranteed. They both wrote the screenplay for the last Jurassic World movie, Fallen Kingdom. So, which is was not well received. So basically, all of this mess is their fault. They're the reason why this is all a giant mess. Connolly did write Kong Skull Island, which I like. I saw that in the theater with you, Doc Nay. Do you remember that? It was like a little matinee. Uh, yeah, you only we take went. me to the worst of the I take you to the worst of the worst? Great, <laughs> wonderful. So anyway, uh, yeah, Kong Skull so Island, which I like, but his overall track record is not doing it for me. Trevor and Connolly were, have also been attached to the new Flight of the Navigator movie. Oh. Right. Compliance. Trivia, do you know who was the voice of the ship in Flight of the Navigator? Paul Rubens. I know you are, but what am I? That was P.B. Herman. P. Herman. But, you know, let's see what they do uh, with that. What unnecessary, convoluted stuff that we won't care about that they shove into Fly the Navigator. Instead of it just being like a sentient alien ship, it's going to be a cloned alien brain connected to Sarah oh, Jessica yes. Parker. She was in the original. Is it Paul Rubens or Peter Rubens? Who's Peter Rubens? Paul Rubens. The creator of the Rubens salmon? Who's, who's Peter Rubens? <laughs> The Rubens. <laughs> Who's the Rubens? All right, we're going to move on. <clears throat> so the screenplay. So the, the terrible story is, of course, by Colin Trevorrow and Derek Connolly. The screenplay was co-written by Emily Carmichael, whose only feature writing credit before this was as a co-writer of Pacific Rim Uprising, which was a critical and financial failure. And I think that's because, like, the simple concept of people in giant robots fighting giant monsters <laughs> got mucked up with monster brains in giant robots. She did make some good uh, animated and live-action shorts. I don't think it's Carmichael's problem. Like, I think it's all Trevorrow and oh, Connolly. Yes. I'm just going to throw them under the bus at every turn. Screw them. <laughs> so, like I said, Trevorrow is back after not helming the second one. And getting kicked off of Star Wars. I remember he was supposed to helm the third Star Wars movie. I think he was kicked off of that because Book of Henry was so bad. Do you guys see Book of yep. Henry? Do you have a <laughs> review of it somewhere? I don't. No. Does anyone? No. Does it? <laughs> no, because it was terrible. It's actually a 22% on Rotten Tomatoes. And they were like, Book of Henry. We're going to close that book. And, and Trevorrow was kicked off. However, Trevorrow's... I can't, I'm, I'm going to go between Trevorrow and Trevorrow this entire episode. <laughs> I have, no, I'm just going to do It's made that. up, so you could go it's, either way. It's, it's just tomorrow with extra yeah. letters. Trevorrow's Star Wars script is actually online, and it became a favorite topic of Disney Star Wars haters. <laughs> no, it's true. His screenplay was called Duel of the Fates. After the amazing John Williams score during the lightsaber fight between Qui-Gon, Obi-Wan, and Darth Maul at the end of Phantom Menace. I have actually seen that piece of music perform live, oh, and nice. it slaps. <laughs> Back to the script, though. So Esquire magazine called Trevorrow's script, quote, unquote, metal. Because mm. it's kind of this, like, it's this pretty weird, dark, Kylo ends up getting mutilated, Rey gets blinded, it's... It's a lot. All right. So anyway, Trevorrow's back. You know, and he, the thing is, is like Colin Trevorrow said that, you know, when he worked on the first film, he felt that he wanted to have different directors work on each mm -hmm. film. Yep. And it's funny because he was fired from being the third director of Star Wars, where J.J. Abrams came back from the first movie. And Jurassic World is exactly the same. Trevorrow, 
J.A. Bayona, and then Trevorrow again. There's a lot of similarities between the Disney Star Wars series and this Jurassic World series, which I think both went in very similar directions, especially with the last movie where they just tried to course correct and cram a million things into it. And Right? Except I actually liked the last Star Wars movie and not this movie, but... You're the one. (laughs) No, there's more of us. There's just not many. (laughs) So Trevorrow didn't want dinosaurs terrorizing cities. He thought that was unrealistic. He said he wanted a world where a dinosaur might run out in front of your car on a foggy back road. That's what he thought was much more believable because he said that, quote, we hunt animals, we traffic them, we herd them, we breed them, we invade their territory and pay the price, but we don't go to war with them. All right, so this movie also brings back Chris Pratt as Owen Grady. Has Chris Pratt's star faded for you, Megan Kearns of Spoiler Piece Theater? Why don't you tell us why? I can't stand him. I think he was only. I think he is only talented as Andy Dwyer on Parks and Rec, and that is absolutely it. You even hate him as Star Lord. Oh, yeah. I think someone else could have done a much better job as Star-Lord. I mean, he's fine, but someone could have done a better job. Whoa. I think he's highly overrated and not very talented. Whoa. Yep. I'm coming in hot. The hot <laughs> takes are burning my brows. <laughs> she, she said Wow. Pratt is flat. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Doc Nay, Chris Pratt, has his stars started to fizzle for you? Well, and it's funny that you mentioned that because... I was just watching a lot of reruns of Parks and Rec. And he's amazing. And oh, you so good. do not see that in anything else. No. Uh, I, I did like Guardians, but like he seems just bored, I think. Yes. Yes. You, you like chubby, frumpy Chris I Pratt. like dummy. I like dummy <laughs> Pratt. You like dummy Pratt. Yeah. Okay. Like like seeing him like with a lot of responsibility in the draft. Like, <laughs> like, like I'm like, I'm like, he can't do that. He can't do that. I just want to see him with a guitar having children's concerts. Like <laughs> seeing him with responsibility. Yeah. I don't know if he can read. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, he looks like someone who can't really read. Except for the Bible, right? Because he's in that weird church. <laughs> he's in that church. What is that church? Holly Wait. Is it a uh... cult? Hillsong, Hillsong Church. They're homophobic, so so the heck with them. (laughs) All right, so we've established that he sucks now. Okay. All right, next. Next. Bryce Dallas Howard. I love guys' answers to this. All right, (laughs) Bryce Dallas Howard as Claire Deering. Are we Bryce Dallas Howard fans? Megan Kearns of Swillet Peace Theater. I am not a fan of Bryce (sighs) Dallas Howard in... This series, I do like her in the one episode of Black Mirror she was in, and I like her directorial efforts on in Star Wars. Yeah, yes. For me, that is it. I think she's a great actress. I also have nocturnal fantasies about her, but totally biased. But <laughs> I totally also, biased. I think that her directing work in Mandalorian has absolutely like earned her the right to direct her own Star Wars films. I agree. I don't know why it's going to sound weird. I don't know why Taika Waititi is doing one before her. Did you say Taika Waititi? I didn't say <laughs> I did not say Taika Waititi. Okay. I said <laughs> Whoops. Are you still there, Megan? <laughs> I'm here. Sorry, thank okay, you. I'm sorry. Okay. So anyway, I'm, here. I'm not a I'm not Taika an educated movie Waititi. person. He's from like New Zealand. A person. But 
Thor Ragnarok and Thor Love and Thunder, I don't think they have this, the right tone and the right look that would also work with Star Wars. I think he's going to make Star Wars look tacky. Whereas like every episode of Mandalorian that she did and the episodes of, by the way, her best episode period might have been that one episode of Boba Fett, which featured oh, Book of Boba Fett, yeah. Mandalorian, Book of Boba Fett. Yeah, her directing is outstanding. I feel like she's really the one that needs to be given the keys to Star Wars, right? I agree. She's also spoken in interviews about how she's very protective of that franchise, which I love because I feel that the people who are the most protective, who really get it, like she, Dave Filoni, that's yeah. who I want to see really run with Star Wars. So I completely agree with you on that. Not white titty. I do love, listen, I love Taika Waititi. I'm just not sure. I'm not sure what he would do with Star Wars. That's interesting. Yeah. Laura Dern is back as Dr. Ellie Sattler. Yeah, yeah. Are looking we glad good. that she's looking? You think she's looking good? great do you enjoy her character ellie sattler i do i do that's very close to what you do as a scientist no way you both do plant (laughs) science ecology so like plants are part of it yeah different kind of science okay but uh no i think she looks great laura dern ellie sattler were you glad to see her return Megan Kearns from i was i love laura dern i'm always delighted to see her in everything I think she's incredible. Ellie Sattler's a great character. What did you think of all the stuff that came out where they're like, oh, we're just noticing the age difference between her and Dr. Grant? <laughs> I hate that. What did you think about that, Megan Kearns? Yeah, I mean, it's something that bothered me 30 years ago, but it's also a staple in Hollywood. It is a problematic. Wait, it bothered you when you saw the first Jurassic Park? I thought nobody knew about this. No, there's tons there's tons of ageism in Hollywood. It always bothers me. What I think is weird is that people are fixating on it now rather than all of the other indications where May-December romances have been happening between men and women for oh. decades in Hollywood. What is the age difference? It was a lot. It was like... I think it's like 20 years. No shit. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yipes. Yeah, they were like kissing his old lips and his stale old man <laughs> breath was coming out and touching her nostrils. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, it's it's 19 years. She's 55. He's 74. Wow. Yeah. It's gross. And I guess they thought it was okay because Laura Dern always looked 30. Oh, I see. I think she looked young. <laughs> and like wild at heart, she looked young. That's because I saw it when I was like... 12 and i was like whatever you're like i don't care i don't know about this stuff <laughs> what did it come out 93 i didn't know about yeah. such things yeah <laughs> all right sam neil came back for a hot second to lock lips with the young and luscious <laughs> ellie sadler <laughs> again yet again ellie you didn't come out all this way just to catch up now did you how do we feel about sam neil are you would you kneel in front of neil <laughs> Doc Nay. This went in a dirty direction. <laughs> well, he does have a beard. His beard is sexy. I I I, I do really like uh, Sam Neill and okay. He he did have a timelessness. He brought back like the true character. Kearns Neil. Oh, I love Sam Neill, and I I just want to be clear. I I love Sam Neill and Laura Dern together. So I'm oh. even though there's like a massive age difference and it's a problem, I still love them together. It's great. Yeah, I don't feel like you see the age difference. Yeah, they feel like equals. Bloom. Goldblum is back. Oh, so let's talk about it. I got a bo- in the last one. I got a lady he, he was boner. More of like a. Sorry, 
ladies get boners too. Anyway, that's a whole thing. Anyway. What kind of podcast is this suddenly? Like, <laughs> who, who knew <laughs> it was that kind of rapidly. movie? <laughs> Anatomy and all kinds of... All right, and, and, <clears throat> Jeff Goldblum is back as Dr. Ian Malcolm. In the last one, he was more like a glory. He was just more like a cameo. He was like in front of the Congress or whatever. In this one, we actually get to see him. Why, as a straight male, do I still find him uber sexy? He's a stud. He is sexy. I know. He's a stud. If he kissed me, I'd be like, okay. <laughs> I didn't know that about you. <laughs> Gold Bloom, how do you feel about him? Doc Nago. Gold. You feel like gold. Gold. Do you feel like you bloomed? No, I. he just, he's the perfect intellect and uh, sexy at the same time uh, and commanding yeah. and. Yeah, uh, commanding. It, it, yeah, but, you know, he does play the role that he's been playing. I wish I did a good Goldblum impression of of like him being commanding. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> like they they do that like weird growl thing. <laughs> they actually impersonate him a lot on Conan Needs a Friend podcast since Conan O'Brien is obsessed with him. Uh, yeah, I feel you, Conan. <laughs> I think a lot of guys have a, a man crush I, yeah. oh, on Jeff Goldblum. You have to. It doesn't matter yeah. what gender you yeah. are. You want him. Yeah. <laughs> he is also timeless. He has a timelessness about him. He's got a timeless and he's genderless. It's everything list. <laughs> Wasn't he also in a Guardians team? No, he's yeah. in Thor Ragnarok. Oh, okay. All right. Kearns Goldblum. Oh, he's fantastic. He's just, mm. he's gotten better with age. He's magnetic. He's charming. He's weird. I love him. I wanted more of him in this too. I think that's a problem that he's not in it enough. Well, and I didn't like okay. th- that he worked for the enemy. Well, he was like there giving like TED Talks. It was weird. Yeah, it was. <laughs> he was. Like, he was. <laughs> Campbell Scott was Dr. Lewis Dodgson, the CEO of Biosyn Genetics. Did we like him? Megan Kearns? Wouldn't. I thought he was a terrible villain. Yeah, he was not great, was he? What did I say in the theater? I, I said he was like the ugly, <laughs> the newscaster guy with the silver hair that everybody loves. Youth. Tom Brokaw? No. Uh, oh, Anderson Cooper? Anderson, Anderson you th- Cooper. <laughs> you thought he was he ugly was like Anderson me- Cooper. He was the mediocre, mean- mediocre Anderson mediocre Cooper. Mediocre Anderson okay. Cooper. <laughs> I love that. That's amazing. B.D. Wong is back as Dr. Henry Wu. He's always perfectly creepy looking. Dr. Wu. Do you, do you like Dr. Wu? Yeah. Yeah. I, I want him to like comb my hair. You want him to comb your hair. That's very interesting. <laughs> That's very specific. I like that. <laughs> Megan Kearns, would you let him comb your hair? No. No. I do yeah. like B.D. Wong, but I don't know what's going on in this film, but something's happening in this film. This is a <laughs> So anyway, those are our characters. So let's go ahead and give the fresh hot stats for this movie. Jurassic World Dominion made 143 million. It did beat out Top Gun Maverick, but Top Gun Maverick is so good. Let's quickly look at the Rotten Tomatoes for this. All right, so Jurassic World Dominion is sitting at 30% rotten, but it does have a 77% audience score. Is that about right to you, Megan Kearns? I think the 30% is absolutely correct. Actually, I think it should be lower. Whoa. But the, the only thing, there's only two things I actually liked about this. Mm-hmm. I really liked DeWanda Wise's performance. I thought she was quite good. She's yeah. the only one who seems to be having fun in this movie. Yeah. The, she's the uh, only pilot. One who, yes. She's the only one who actually she's seemed great. like a fully fledged character, even though we don't get a lot of any of the characters. So right. I liked her tremendously. And this is something that... 
I'm sure we'll talk more about because it's it's in two of my fixes. Yeah. But I really liked the nod to animal rights themes that are a continuation from Jurassic World and Fallen Kingdom and are now happening again in Dominion. So I liked that too. But those are the only, for me, those are the only two things I liked. Doc Nay, 33%. Is that correct? That sounds about right. Um, Sounds about right. I I liked about the first 20 minutes. So 30, yeah, I think percentage-wise, it's a little bit comparable. Wait, you're giving a percentage point for every minute you liked the movie? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I like that. I like that. Half of those were Jeff Goldblum. Right. Those those were the 30... Those were the 30 minutes of gold bloom right there. Those golden minutes. 33% is about right to me. I liked gold bloom. I liked Sattler. I liked Grant. It was the first time all three of those characters had been together since Jurassic Park. So yes. that was a lot of fun seeing them together. So let's move right along. Let me give a quick and dirty plot summary of this thing before we start fixing. We're going to get this quick and dirty plot plot summary by movie pooper movie pooper where they wipe away the excess here comes the one pinch summary the rampant global plague of genetically modified locusts was created by biosyn when they intended to undermine crops from competing companies and make theirs the dominant brand but it went awry and of course dr Wu was behind it Wu also reveals to Maisie the definitive truth about who she is and how she came to be she is a direct clone of her mother who used her own dna to have her produced but later died of a genetic anomaly although she had the girl's dna altered to save her from it Wu wanted to study her as well as blue and beta to find a solution to the locust pest Dodgson, seeing the nefarious experiments pulled off by Biosyn, have been discovered, decides to burn down the lab to prevent anyone from knowing the truth, but the fire gets out of control and sets the whole facility ablaze. He also fires Malcolm upon realizing he secretly helped the others. All of the main characters, both from the original and most recent trilogy, acquaint and work on an escape plan. Dodgson takes a bunch of dino embryos and tries to flee through a tunnel but is ambushed and killed by a trio of Dilophosaurs. While escaping, the group comes across a Gigantosaurus that tries to kill them, but it is intercepted and fought by no other than the original T-Rex. This gives everyone a chance to safely escape in an aircraft from Bios, and at the same time, a Therizinosaurus joins to quarrel and helps Rexy kill the Gigantosaurus. Wu, having been saved by the others after offering to help solve the locust plague, owns to his word and creates a new genetically modified locust based on an element he discovered in Maisie with the intention of releasing it so it mates with members of the destructive species, thus eventually bringing it down. Ellie and Alan rekindle their old, gross, too many years apart romance and, using the sample they subtracted from Biosyn, prepare to go public about the company. As a family, Owen, Claire, and Maisie return to their home in Sierra Nevada and also reunite little Beta with its mom, Owen's old dino friend, Blue. In the end, we see the majority of the dinosaurs at the Biosyn compound survive and continue living normally. Also, all dino species scattered throughout the planet manage to coexist with other humans and animals in what seems to be an effective neo-Jurassic world. All right. (laughs) What do you say we fix this movie? What do you say? Needs fixing. Yeah, fix it. So you two, um, dig up, dig up dinosaurs. <laughs> oh. oh. Try to. <laughs> oh. <laughs> 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 
Megan Kearns from Spoiler Peace Theater, the podcast that does not care about spoilers. If you worry about spoilers, don't listen to this. <laughs> Bean Town, baby. You better be rough and tumble. That's right. M- Megan Kearns, what is your first fix for Jurassic World Dominion? My first fix, aside from scrapping this entire script and just starting all over again, oh, and yeah. which you're having, you can completely do. Okay, I mean that I would say I do have actual like more specific fixes, but I would say that I think this script should be completely scrapped, overhauled, redone with different filmmakers. Mm-hmm. I think it needs better cinematography, better editing, some better acting from some of the cast. Yes. Wow yes. this this yes. film is a mess. Yes. But yeah. more yeah. specifically, plot wise. My first fix is to excise the part about the genetically modified locusts devouring yes, small crops. the worst. We all agree with that's a worst. This is a movie <laughs> about dinosaurs. Right. And the thing of it is, is that I think this plot, that plot element in another film could potentially be like an interesting kind of weird indie horror yeah. film. In some terrible 1970s techno <laughs> thriller starring Robert Redford. Yeah, it would have been great. <laughs> But yeah, not here, not with dinosaurs. I think it is so awful. It's so extraneous. I also think it's really interesting that Trevor O said in an interview with Entertainment Weekly back in 2015 that blockbuster films are way too convoluted in their plots. And he likes that indie films are more straightforward and simplistic. This film has like five or six movies in one. So I cannot believe that he... Thought this was a good idea. Every so. interview he gives, no, he says things, but does he follow through on them? No, he doesn't. <laughs> but do you think maybe? So the Laura Dern character, like, could they have brought her back in in a realistic way without the locusts? No, but so when you do that, are you also mm-hmm. advocating for taking out Sattler, Grant, all those other characters? No, I'm not. I think you have to put a different plot in there. No, no genetically modified locusts, no seeds, no global world hunger, no, no international agricultural market cornering by Biosyn. No, none of that. They're already battling like dinosaurs. Exactly. <laughs> and locusts. Like in this. Right. Like, no, this we don't theological like enemy. Like uh, <laughs> it could at least like made of mosquitoes or something. The thing is, like, it's so silly for them to make giant locusts to eat, like, competitors' crops because they modified giant locusts that don't exist. <laughs> in the beginning, there's those kids that, like, they, like, catch one in that, like, bucket, right? Oh. The three-foot-large locust in a bucket. And it's like, how are they not going to tie this back to someone? Because if this was, like, a, a, like, a realistic movie, they would... They would have just genetically modified a regular locust, not mm-hmm. giant prehistoric locusts. It's goofy. <laughs> it is goofy. They use them for like torches. Like, can you imagine there's like, like genetically modifying giant insects? Like some, some ant comes in your house, starts making a piece of toast, butters it, <laughs> eats it, and he walks out and he's like, thanks, dog. And he's walking. You're like, what the heck? That's not, the, that's not a normal ant. 
Biosyn. Biosyn. <laughs> all I can think of is Rick Moranis like running around. So, in all of the most random plot things ever, they put Chris Pratt in a western. Oh, don't even oh my god! Wait, don't don't even dinosaurs. Don't even, hold on, hold on, on a horse. Okay, okay, we need to discuss the fact that somehow every dinosaur responds to his hand stuck out. Yeah, right. He's at like a magic hand. Every yeah, not just Velociraptors anymore. We talked to Chris. Every dinosaur. Chris Pratt. All of them, and then later in the movie, him, Grant, and Maisie all have their hand out at a at a, at a, a dinosaur. Like that's something that that works. And then what's even goofier than that is after this dinosaur is like, "You've shown me the magic hand, sir," and dips it and dips and dips its head down, and and Pratt pets its nostrils. He has a, ne- a rope around its neck, which he's cool with, with his dinosaur is cool with. And then he's pulling it along with a horse. That dinosaur could just whip its neck and pull them both yeah. right over. Yeah, lasso it, like, the, the Western dinosaurs. Next time I'm like, I run, I, I run across like a, a shark or a, <laughs> like a crocodile or like, just put like your hand a bear out. or a mountain lion. I'm just sticking my hand Strong out. hand. Whoa. Strong <laughs> hand. Whoa. See the hand. Whoa. Now I'm going to rope you. <laughs> Doc Nay, scientist, not socially awkward at all. <laughs> totally down with people. Wow. Yeah. Why, why Thanks don't, for having me. Why don't you give us <laughs> your first fix? Okay. So every, up until now, everything's been like in super tropical environment and so they wanted to vary the plot i think a little bit you know because there, there's like five or ten so they wanted a couple more and uh <laughs> <laughs> the cold the arctic so like i try to tell my students reptiles are cold-blooded yeah so what happens to a reptile when they they're in a cold environment they turn Scientist. into they turn into little dinosaur popsicles in the very beginning of this movie, Maisie, she's at like some like logging site or something and a brachiosaurus yeah, no. just walks by. No. They would be like little dinosaur ice cubes. They would not be able to function at that metabolic <laughs> capacity at all. <laughs> they would just lay down and then you'd have dinosaur steaks. Yeah. They, they'd be delicious. Delicious. Nice, nice and like so? preserved. Yeah. Well, they taste like alligator meat. Do you eat fried brachio nuggets? A little tartar? Are you a tartar person or a cocktail sauce gal? Or some drawn butter? Some ghee? I don't want to eat dinosaurs. Uh, <laughs> all right. Can I go, like, science, can I go off on a, like, a no, little no, science yes, tangent? Com- continue. Science us. Science us. So, You're basically like <laughs> Bill Nay, the science. Nay? The science Nay? The science Nay. <laughs> Bill Nay, the science Nay. I don't, I don't really know what to say. All right, go ahead. That rhymed too. Go ahead. Continue. <laughs> so one of the things I was like kind of like looking for is this whole concept of what, what's our baseline, right? So there's these dinosaurs, they're extinct, they came back, and now they're this nuisance species. And so now we have to like think about, are they endangered? Are they extinct? Do we protect them? And I think there was like this whole kind of cool forward thinking thing. Like everything is very like hindcasted. And I, I think it would be really cool to explore that 
you know, do we preserve them because they're extinct or they're endangered? Or are they truly like a nuisance species that we have to get rid of and that are going to eat our children? Because they will. (laughs) (laughs) Like in the first 15 minutes, I was so excited. I was like, oh my gosh, there's like these nuisance dinosaurs and like leaving in real life and like just supposed and like, I I, I don't know. I thought it was this really cool concept. And then they completely dropped it and they put them back in to a park like right. all the other movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the <laughs> like, yeah. you know, are, how are your students Are they doing an extinct lately, okay? species? Yeah, they're doing all right. Are any of them uh, uh, hitting on you? They don't, that doesn't happen. Bullshit. I mean, <laughs> they're actually not creepy anymore. Not, they're not creepy anymore? No, they're, <laughs> no. Because it's like 2022. And yeah, all, like, kids cool. are not creepy. Like, it's a lot of work to be creepy. <laughs> Hey, yes. JC. Uh-huh. Screen fix. Yeah. Wait, it's not just you don't say screen fix. What's your I'm what's, doing what what's you your told first me fix? Not what's your screen JC. Megan, Megan, no, Megan, Me- you do Megan, it. Megan, can you do this? JC. Yeah. What is your first fix? All right, trying to host every show, huh, Megan? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for asking, Megan. JC, you're bringing the chaotic energy today. Hey. I bring the giggle. All right, here we go. All right. So one thing that I did not like at all was that they made Ellie Sattler a focal point of this movie. This is the third movie in a trilogy about Owen and Claire. And I thought that they were side characters in their own third film of the the trilogy. So Trevorrow actually in an interview said he wanted the movie to focus around Ellie Sattler. And he asked scientists, what is something a paleobotanist would notice first? And that's where we got the locust and the plants, something you hate, Megan. (laughs) Yes. So I'll try to fix some of this and make Owen and Claire a a bigger part of the story. Let's go ahead and keep Biosyn. Biosyn is in the books, is in the Jurassic Park books. So let's go ahead and keep Biosyn. Let's have Biosyn have a huge facility in Africa, not Italy. So that's something else that I wanted to fix really, really badly. I looked this up. If they were in the Dolomites, anywhere in the Dolomites is only 10 miles from a town, like a small town. And also, you're only about 100 miles from Milan, Venice. The fact that this was going to be in the Dolomites in Italy was one of the dumbest things I've ever heard in a movie ever. (laughs) Put it in Africa. Not just the fact that Africa is huge, bigger than it looks like on a map, because... Obviously, they can't take a sphere and make it a square. It just doesn't work. So Africa, because it's on the largest part of the sphere, is way bigger than you think it is. You can fit the United States, China, all of Europe, all in Africa. That's how big Africa is. So like, just Mm -hmm. put this in Africa, please, where there's not like Venice 100 miles away. Like, it's ridiculous. So... There's thousands of miles of land where the dinosaurs are living. There are guided eco-tours that are very expensive, and you have to sign an extensive waiver because obviously we've been through this before with many parks. (laughs) There are also science facilities that are overseen by the UN. And who works there? Owen and Claire. What Owen does is Owen travels with the Dino Roundup crew, and Claire works day-to-day operations of the safari. Who is behind my butt? Is that Rocket? I have a dog literally in my butt crack. Um, (laughs) While they are there, there are some guest speakers 
Ellie Sattler and Grant. Why not? They're scientists that are famous for Jurassic Park in this universe. Claire, with the help of Sattler and Grant, discovers something is fishy with the dinos. Some are disappearing. And then all of a sudden, Owen is almost murdered in his latest dino run because his usefulness is worn out. They discover a massive operation beneath Biosyn to create the ultimate giant dino which will listen to commands the perfect being the invisible dino like in jurassic world but larger more violent a super hybrid dr Wu's creation he is being held against his will owen fights off his attackers and makes it back to biosyn and him and claire must now expose and destroy this underground military operation one thing that I didn't like about this movie is they're like, the world has said Biosyn can collect all the dinosaurs. China's okay with that? Russia is okay with that? The whole world is okay with Biosyn reaping all the benefits of this? It's not how human beings work. That's not how they no. work at all. So there's going to be some kind of nefarious thing going on that they're going to have to uncover and try to stop before it escalates out of control. But I really wanted Claire, Owen, I wanted them to be the main characters in their own story. What do you guys think? Is this terrible? No, I like it. I like my second one better, but... It's not as fun, because I have a feeling your other one's going to be, like you said, a lot more fun, right. a lot more chaotic, which is cool. But no, I think... I think depending on how you do it, especially with the nefarious organization, I think that could really unite a lot of the threads narratively and a lot of the themes that it that this is trying to go for, but to do it in a much more succinct way. So no, I think it could be really interesting. Doc? Oh, well, and I'd like to see a little bit uh, better tie between the old school characters and the new characters. Their storylines are, are kind of separate. And so I think if we could bring those together like I, I see Chris Pratt and Neil like like having it be kind of a badass like testosterone team might be fun <laughs> who's closer in age Pratt and Dern or Grant and Dern Pratt and Dern mm. <laughs> I don't know I, love I think now I'm, now I'm second or put this. them together <laughs> a love triangle would be amazing and especially <laughs> one that's more appropriate so let me add something to mine Dern and Pratt, get busy. No! No. <laughs> While a dinosaur watches. What? No! <laughs> Megan is appalled. All right, so anyway, all right. <laughs> like, close your eyes, Blue. Close your eyes, close Blue. Close your eyes, Blue. <laughs> close your eyes, Blue. <laughs> so you two, um, big up, big up dinosaurs. Oh. Megan Kearns from Spoiler Peace Theater amazing podcast thank you please check it out subscribe rate review do it just for megan Riedel's fine the other guy's fine megan is really the reason to listen if that's not obvious today <laughs> i mean i love my co-hosts i think they're great too but thank you that's incredibly kind <laughs> you know you carry it megan you know you know you carry it i, I do not but thank you <laughs> <clears throat> anyway what is your second fix for Jurassic World, Dominion. Okay, so my second fix takes a little while to get to. Oh, this is amazing. Um, okay. <laughs> I love it. Because it's it's piggybacking off of what we've been talking about with the with the themes, the environmental justice themes, yep. the animal rights themes, yep. the species being a nuisance, kind of all of it. And I think it was really interesting in the first Jurassic World, 
that Trevorrow talked about how part of the vibe that he was giving off in that film was Blackfish, the really haunting documentary about the captive orcas at SeaWorld. And he very much was giving that vibe through Indominus Rex being raised in that environment. And then that continues in Fallen Kingdom where there's the illegal auction and Maisie is freeing the dinosaurs in the cages even though Owen says no. They're alive. Oh, you did Maisie's her her staccato. They're (laughs) alive. Like me. Yeah. yeah. Oh my yeah, God. It's so yeah. bad. But yeah. <laughs> and in the, in the second one, I like that, you know, Claire is working for an organization that is trying to protect dinosaurs, which is very different than her position in the yeah, previous film. Yeah. She was film just like a business lady. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, and business. She, that sounds ridiculous. She was a business person. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, she was. And she had treated them yeah. like commodities. And right. now she's trying to protect them. Right. Which she is was great. always like calling them like like asset. And like yes. o- Owen was like asset. Like he right, was like right. offended by and it. Yeah. Exactly. Because he was treating them like actual feeling, yeah. thinking creatures. And in the third one, we get that in the very beginning. And I love that. Claire is going into the breeding pen, which is very much giving off vibes of factory farming. We see the, like, the dinosaurs in really small. Yep, we see them in very small containers. We are seeing um, they're trying to get undercover footage. Then they free one, which is very much like animal liberation activists and the undercover exposés that they post about the cruelty animal space. So I'm like digging all of this. And I know Trevor O has said in interviews, and we've talked about it, that the big thing was living in cohesion with dinosaurs and humans and dinosaurs coexisting together. And he kind of compared dinosaurs to lions that we should have respect for them kind of in the same way. Okay. So all of this is to say, that's all great. I wish this film had had really dug into that instead of jettisoning right. that. And so what I wish, interestingly or weirdly, is that... Trevorrow said that he didn't want to see, you know, dinosaurs attacking cities because he thought that that wouldn't be realistic. No, no. Okay, but I actually do want to see that. And because I want to see an overlap because I want to see more of the debates happening as far as, like, Doc Nay, like you were saying, like, are these species, are they nuisances? Are they protected? So I want more of that as well. And I want that to be fleshed out in the in the plot really explain expanding those themes exploring those themes and we're also seeing dinosaurs causing havoc causing mayhem which which makes it harder for people to maybe defend that they need to be protected or what have you and so that's what I want to see so I actually do want more of that and I actually think strangely it would really tie into the themes more than what we actually see on screen in Dominion I agree completely yay Well, and it's entertaining. Yes. You know, these dinosaurs and are they native? Are they um, something that's kind of part of the the natural landscape? Uh, They're not. But Mm -hmm. once they are, are they more, do they have more of a right to this place than we do as a a previously extinct species? And and I think it plays into that, you know, we're we're going into this kind of uh, stepping ahead. We're putting other species into extinction um, with habitat loss and climate change and all that. And and so it's a really cool blend of what happened and what we're facing now. Yes. You know, like putting a leash on a dinosaur 
and oh yeah you know like you know there's always so many things and not just going back to that we're we're gonna put them in a park again and we're gonna fight them and they're gonna be Mm -hmm. like smarter and we're gonna show darts at them and they're gonna chase lasers and this whole genetically modified (laughs) thing don't even get me started on the lasers So like, so Owen works an entire movie on trying to train raptors, and some lady in the underground market somehow teaches them to follow a laser pointer. It's like a house cat, basically. Can you imagine if you shot? Imagine if like a house cat, if you shot like your cousin with a laser pointer, the cat would just attack your cousin until your until one of you was dead. Go for the jugular. Yeah, like here, raptor, raptor, raptor. Oh my god. <laughs> Doc Nay, what is your second science fix? Oh, my second science fix. We didn't really cover it too much in the what we liked about it, but I do like how the the science and the species have evolved based on the kind of archaeological information that we've received since this whole like start of the series in the early 90s. And so we've learned a lot. There's been new discoveries. And so, you know, dinosaurs and these reptilian species having feathers. Yes. And they and, did show and, and some so feathery it, ones. Yeah. And so I, I think it, it, it's been, they were listening to the science a little bit. Maybe there were some good advisors on these later movies. And, and so I, I did like that evolution, how they, they, they adapted to the science. And in the, the they really are badass. I mean, the dinosaurs do get more badass. Doc Nate, is there a fix in here, or are you just are you just I, I just like kind of like squeezing it. Trevor's butt cheek? Like, what's happening right? Yeah. Now? Do you have a fix? No. <laughs> okay, let me counter with something interesting. So, scientists in Australia have discovered that DNA decomposes after six point five million years, so they can't actually clone a dinosaur at all because they're like 65 million years old so it'll never ever happen what they're trying to do right now is reverse engineer chickens and they've made dinosaur legs on a on a chicken they've given a chicken teeth they're trying to take the dna of a chicken and alter it enough to turn a chicken back into a dinosaur that's really the only way that we're ever going to get a dinosaur um, I think that's a little oversimplification of the science <laughs> that they're trying to do. I read Smithsonian. <laughs> it is science fiction, and I am all about indulging in the fiction. But I, but but I think in that kind of fiction, there is a cautionary tale about extinction and about genetically modified organisms and the power we're working towards a fix the power that the power that we have and so i I do think that there there is a little thread of of a message in there but it gets so buried in like we're so close we're so close doc nay how would you bring that message to the story bring it home hallelujah Oh my, uh, Megan, you're nodding the whole time I'm saying all this. I feel like you you can bring it home. <laughs> I don't know. Casey. Yes. What's your final fix? My final fix is we are going to finally go all in on the promise of that title, Jurassic World. Oh. 
you're going to have to suspend a little belief in this series, but I talked a little about science earlier. DNA is decomposed. We're not bringing them back like that. It's it's all suspending belief. Why do I sound like Seinfeld? Stupid. All right, here we go. <laughs> so at the end of the last film, when dinosaurs are released into the world, the immediate impact was on shipping. Boats didn't want to sail cargo. Planes don't want to fly, right? Like if you think there might be a pterodactyl in, in the sky, are you flying? You're probably not. Talk about supply chain. Truck drivers don't want to drive, and the entire supply chain is disrupted. Ooh. This causes a massive food shortage. I mean, living in Florida, Docne, you've seen how even a Category 3 hurricane causes widespread panic. Supermarkets are empty. Gas stations are empty empty cars are stranded people are fighting you saw it in the pandemic toilet paper gone everybody wants a clean ass for the end of the world i'm not dying with a dingleberry <laughs> anyway the disruption in there. the shipping means a massive food shortage i saw a speech by ted koppel ted koppel wrote a book about cyber terrorism and what he said about it is you can survive anywhere from 8 to 21 days without food. That's if you're in the desert. But how long will most people actually go? Statistically, people will wait seven days without food before going to get it. So we have societal breakdown. People against each other on top of people against dinosaurs. Ten years into the future, only isolated cities remain because cities are too bright and they're too loud for dinosaurs but and so these cities chicago new york atlanta denver these places are ruled by strong independent rulers basically the countryside between cities is a danger zone of human aggressors and dinos what happens next is this we've been vulnerable against diseases from animals bird flu covid from bats maybe pangolin diseases all these animals that have been sources of diseases, we bring back an animal from the past, guess what? They're bringing back a virus, which was known in Jurassic World, but they had to keep it under wraps because they obviously wanted to sell tours and things. But they figured if we keep the dinos away from the people enough, they're not going to be catching these viruses that the, the dinos have. The clone girl was one of a few clones. And what we find out is she's the living antidote. She's basically the vaccine to the virus that dinosaurs are ravaging across the world. B.D. Wong, Dr. Wu, sends for her. And what happens is Owen and Claire have to make a dangerous journey from one walled city to another walled city to bring the girl to Wu to create a vaccine. And it becomes an adventure tale from one city into the wilderness, fighting people, fighting dinos to get to Dr. Wu. One of the sanctuary cities that they finally get to on their journey is run by Grant and Sattler, giving us our cameos. And they do eventually make it to Dr. Wong, who does create a vaccine from our clone. And we are given the promise of the title Jurassic world not only that but we're also given our suspensive monster movie this franchise has always been at when it was its best so that's amazing 
<laughs> I love the breakdown of society, the societal collapse. I love a post-apocalyptic yeah, film. Yeah, I'm yeah. here for it. The only, my only quibble is your plot is the plot of The Last of Us. So. Son of a bitch. <laughs> I never played that game. The main character, Joel, has to escort Ellie, who is essentially the vaccine, across to another territory and has to go across a dangerous landscape. <laughs> you know what? Maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe mine's the same as The Last of Us. But you know what? Mine's better. Who cares? It's a great story. Mine's dinosaurs. <laughs> That's right. Mine's better. They have, they have fungus zombies. You have dinosaurs. <laughs> so I was just trying to be like... Like, why don't we deliver on the promise of Jurassic World? Right? That's what I want to see. Do I want to see that. Yeah. That is like, that now sounds like the greatest thing ever, and I want this to happen well, thank immediately. Thank you for liking my final fix. <laughs> what did you think about my final fix? Huh? What? Did, what? <laughs> did, you're on a show right now. It's called Screen Fix. And um, what do you think about the final uh, fix? It was epic. Like, I'm mad. I want that movie right now. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean... You know, the virus spreads when somebody um, has sex with a uh, Dilophosaur. What? Trevor had sex with a Dilophosaur? No, in my plot, the virus has to spread. Somebody, I mean, they. I mean, didn't they say that? Like... <laughs> why does somebody have to have sex with a dinosaur? Why can't it just... Why can't the virus just jump from a dinosaur to a person? Why does there have to be sex involved? <laughs> it's late. <laughs> All right, so without further ado, I think we should consider Jurassic World Dominion screen fit. Uh, Do you have a final thought about Jurassic World Dominion? Megan Kearns from Spoiler Peace Theater, one of the finest podcasts, and you will not hear a finer podcaster than the one that you're listening to right this second. Go ahead. Tell us. Do you have a final thought? That is such a lovely compliment. Thank you so much, JC. I would say the one thing that I that I would debate about your fix, which is awesome, is I actually think Ellie Sattler should be the main character. I love Ellie Sattler, and I love Laura Dern, so... I would say we needed more of the original characters. But other than that, I want the post-apocalyptic dinosaur world to commence immediately. Right on. I, I wish Colin Trevorrow had not worked on this and, and that they had listened to you. <laughs> Thank you. You should be my agent. Marketing is not my bag. <laughs> Doc Nay, do you have a final thought for Jurassic World Dominion? Uh, no. I, I mean, I'm happy to be here, and I wish that you pick me for a better movie next time. I loved your science opinions. <laughs> oh. They were great. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Doc Nay, good old Doc Nay and her botany. Wait, bot- no. what is it? No. Bio, what is it? Ecology. Ecology. Yeah. All right, uh, anyway. <laughs> yeah, my final thought is, uh, while I didn't enjoy this one very much... They have not ruled out the possibility of future films. In January, they said, quote, they're going to sit down and see where the future is. So we might get Jurassic World films until we're dead. We probably will. It'll be like (laughs) the Anthony Hopkins of movies. The Anthony. (laughs) All right. So 
Megan, next time I'll bring a film person. I'm real. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> All right. Uh, anyway, let me go ahead and bring it home. All right. So uh, anyway, Megan Kearns, you are. I I can't even tell you how wonderful of a guest that you always are. Your insights, Aww. your intellect, your the aura that you exude. I'm not going to say that it's sensual. Why don't Thank you? <laughs> why don't you? T- why don't you tell us where the screen fixers can find more of you, more of Spoiler Piece? Tell us everything, please. All right, you can find me co-hosting Spoiler Piece Theater every Friday. We release new episodes at spoilerpiece.com or any podcast platform of your choice. You can follow me on Twitter at opinionsworld, and I also write film reviews for Edge Media Network. Like, like I said, I have no idea why she's on this show. She is. <laughs> So much bigger fish to fry. Because it's a blast. I love being here. All right. So anyway, (laughs) so you can find Screen Fix Podcast anywhere that you find podcasts. Anyway, Megan Kearns, let's leave everybody with you doing your best gold bloom must go faster. Go. That's so much pressure and I do not do impressions. Uh, Do it. Oh. mm, mm, Must go faster. (laughs) Must go faster. No, that wasn't no, it's awful. All. <laughs> no, it's awful. All right, here's me. <clears throat> Must go faster. No, that's that's terrible. That's awful. <laughs> He's so hard. He's difficult unless you. He is him. hard to do. Anyway, stay tuned. Next time for another screen fix, we will be doing Thor, the Thor movie where Zeus blows his clothes off. Oh, what? That's that- happening. It's in the trailer. Does he also have a beard? He does, doesn't he? Ooh. Yeah, Natalie Portman, Tessa Thompson. Come on, this is great. Oh my gosh, I remember last time we had you on, Megan, we talked about Chris Hemsworth <laughs> and Tessa Thompson and how we would love to be the meat in that sandwich. Oh, oh my oh. God, that's right. Oh. I remember. I remember. Oh. Anyway. <laughs> that's a great. Both of them. That's a great promo. Both of them are coming Let's back. listening. Thor, love and thunder. Thank you, Megan Kearns. Thank you, Doc Nay. Bye, everybody. Bye. Don't breathe like nostril air in. Don't like stuff. mouth. You're fine. Like yeah. mouth fart. Yeah. Okay. Don't mouth fart. <laughs> So embarrassing. <laughs>